0: I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. We continue with our special project, The Open Mic of the Air. We began this project back when the pandemic began, and we continue now with episode 11. If you want to submit, you can send a recording five minutes or less to openmicoftheair@gmail.com, at gmail.com, and you can find full submission guidelines on our website, PoetrySpokenHere.com. Before we start, let me say what I always say at live open mics in person. You can rant, you can chant, you can shout, get it out, get it down, get it off, off your chest, off the page. Share your mission, share your glory, share your vision, tell your story. Take a moment in the sun. The mic is open and for our open mic today we have a diverse group of poets from around the U.S. and abroad I'm very happy to bring to you it is always a joy to hear the different poems and the distinct voices when they're read in the poet's own voice we're going to start off with Wendy Hine from Lincoln Nebraska she writes to connect with others around issues of health and healing She calls it Poetry for the Soul, and now here she is with a few short poems.
1: Good afternoon, Charlie and Jack. My name's Wendy Hind. I'm coming to you today from Lincoln, Nebraska. 20 years ago, our son was born with a life-threatening and chronic heart condition. Uh, He's 20 years old today, but I have found poetry as a means of understanding and helping others with issues of illness, and health, and healing. In addition to longer form of poetry, I've begun writing short poems and putting them out on the internet, uh, on social media, to help others. And as they are very short, I'd like to read three of those for you today. The first one is called Flatline. She comes down the hall carrying a book with a gold cross hanging from her throat. I turn away and do not speak to her. Go somewhere else. My son is not dying today. That poem was written after a particularly harrowing night when our son literally uh, flatlined on the table. The next poem I'd like to read for you today is called Nighttime Boys. And this poem stems from my hatred of spending the night in the hospital. Nighttime Boys. I make up the hospital bed for my husband. It's my penance. I hate sleeping in the hospital. I hate the cold, the glow of the monitors, and the sound of the nurses laughing outside our room. My husband promises our son will live through the night. They have a pact. They are the nighttime boys. And the last poem is called The Talisman. The talisman hung from my neck, its weight reassuring me the bullet was still in the gun. It began to choke me, so I took it off. Now I choose when to wear my talisman, as a reminder of faith, and not as a false contract with God. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks for your great work.
0: Alina Gales comes to us from Munich, Germany, with a character study, and it's called The Duke. You will find her delivery interesting and compelling.
2: Walking with an aristocratic audacity, you are a coolness royalty, casually dropping capital vocabulary, owning the most desirable discography, but you don't have any good people in your life, and are you good? But you don't have any love in your life, and can you love? I'm sitting on your bed, psychedelic art on the shelf. While you're recording your set, and I'm watching you be yourself. The hipster glasses on your nose, cigarette in your mouth, nook, headphones on and DJ pose, it's a whole Raoul look. The limelight on you seems to be a fixation. There are always moths sticking to your sculpture. You got used to bathing in their admiration. But then each one of the moths turned into a vulture. They cut your wings, turned off your light. They devoured your heart and smashed your soul. They fooled your body and ate you alive. Still you can't. You just can't let them go. You are breathing negativity and your energy is on a low level. Kicking it high synthetically. Still you can't seem to shake off the devil. I'm not sure you're even aware that I'm here dressed all black. Merging with the darkness of your flare, you're lost, and your mind is a wreck. Emotionally, I am detached through and through. Never thought I'd ever feel sorry for you, cause I used to be one of the moth, but I made myself turn into a dove. As soon as a part of me feels the urge to stay, I spread my wings and keep on flying away. Jerry Fredrickson
0: is in Chicago, Illinois. And her poem is a slice of life kind of poem, uh, a slice of urban life. She tells the story, and let's say she doesn't tell you all of it. You've got to figure out exactly what else is going on.
3: Hi, my name is Jerry Fredrickson. I live in Chicago, and this poem was first published in Thimble magazine, and is forthcoming in my chapbook from Finishing Line Press. This is called The Moving Shelter. The Moving Shelter. The yellow cab driver looked back when I said, I'm going to get my ID and credit card. Then I want you to drive me home. Those quiet hands turned the wheel toward me as my friend's lip curled and left the dark blood on my chest. Halloween broke into all souls. One hand on the wheel, one rubbing his face. The driver moved all the pieces of me away from that curled lip, those teeth with my blood. His feet slowed the wheels at every house I puzzled over. Not this one or that one, but on this street of light-up ghosts. I couldn't offer the truth. I'd only had one drink the whole night. He nodded as I opened the car door. I'm going to come back, and then I want you to take me home. The driver waited as I found my body on the boards of someone's deck and my ID with the host who asked if I was okay and where my friend had gone. As I left to find the driver waiting for my body to return, just as my ID returned, just as my credit card returned. The whites of his eyes steadied a road behind me as he drove me to a home I couldn't lock the cold out of. But for a while, I was warm.
0: Our next reader publishes his work under the name of Jack, J-A-K, his initials. He's got his own reasons for that. He's in Chicago also, and if you are a fan of reggae music... You will find this extremely interesting and you'll hear a lot of references to some of the reggae masters. It's uh, quite a thing he's accomplished and the rhymes just roll right on through this work.
4: little reggae tribute. Like Johnny Osborne with truth and rights produce such a passion it's hard to sleep at night. Talking about Martin Luther Jr. on equal rights. Or bring it back to medieval Martin starting religion fights. But I'm a peaceful guy, I gotta pursue the light. Through trials and tribulations, look through Tasha's sight. We can't be held back, we come through the rhythm. When we die, we're reproduced to refresh the system. So it goes on forever like Bever's Hammond in bed. That voice is so sweet it sticks like honey in your head. So when you're done having fun with your girl in the sun, we can debate philosophy with a spliff by the ocean. So now the stars are in place like bunnies beats, and the groove is overflowing, leaking through the streets. We heard Marley's melody, such an incredible feat, like a dynamic duel awakening Babylonian defeat. You see the truth right there, it's in front of your eyes. We threw away the mask, man, there's no disguise, because the people of the past pushed on so strong. I felt that through Steel Pulse, Hansworth, Revolution. Now give love to the ladies that goes on and on, like Badu's Bag Lady and Call Tyrone. And I felt like I was on when I listened to the Fugees' Lauren Hill kill me softly with the ways that she could soothe me. Now there's many rivers to cross and mountains to climb, so I'm a struggling man with Jimmy Cliff on the grind. We can't distress now, Gregory Isaac said it best, brother, don't give up, remember life's a test. And no man's an island, John Holt will tell you. But my desire could rewire New York and Rockefeller. Because we're all here together, so let's share the same pot. For those in the past, and those on the spot. And there's many out there who didn't get credit. Get in due respect to them, so you never forget it. Make peace with the past to produce in the present. Get induced by the future through dreams and in spirit. And I'll end it like this, as a spiritual gift. Reggae's a fruit for the people pressing on in the ship, through the universe gliding on verse by verse. Let's treat earth as our chariot and not our hearse.
0: Now we're going across the Atlantic to Nottingham. Guy Jones. Guy is a writer in residence at the Hothouse Theater. He also edits an online magazine focused on creativity for young people and a second online magazine called Writer's Block which publishes and promotes writing from Nottinghamshire. You will, uh, I think, find quite noteworthy the nature sound effects he's managed to put into the recording that he sent us. A really nice production job and just a way that those kind of things can add interest uh, to a poem.
5: My name is Guy Jones from Nottingham in England. A Night on the Tarn is a recollection of a holiday my wife and I spent on the Tarn River in the south of France, and the English couple we met in the bar on the campsite. A Night on the Tarn. Aspen leaves shimmer in a light breeze, an outcrop weathered and stained by time and sun, with a backdrop of a vulture-soaring sky. Triangles of light on the drifting river, dance across waves, driven by a warm, calming wind, as a paddleboard slaloms through martins, dipping for damselfly. We met them in the campsite bar. A couple, a little older, but still full of beans, and too much of the local brew. We danced all night, and the next we did the same to the Beatles in French accents and the amazement of the bar staff, who filled our glasses generously and laughed at crazy Brits dancing like marionettes with a drunken bum pulling the strings. Emptying our glasses and turning our collective noses up at the eau de vie that smelt like something dripped off the bottom of our caravans, we waved the bar bonsoir, then off to our pitch for a nightcap. The girls went skinny dipping, reliving teenage days, while the boys toasted the years slipped by with a fine malt and stared at the stars and wondered. A handful of flour and a few coarse grains of salt spilt absent mindedly over a large dark background, suggesting a pattern of sorts. That's what it looks like. A grain of salt moves across the scene at an even pace, becoming brighter and brighter before fading suddenly to nothing. Blinking lights like insects' hearts crawl to unknown destinations, a flash out of the corner of the eye of something here and gone, all to the gentle rhythm of a giggling, chuckling river falling through endless metaphor to a distant sea. It started with his shoes. He thrust them under my nose, gently but firmly, with the air of a man who, through a process of logical deduction, had discovered what he thought might be the simple truth. They must be yours. There was a hint of a question, of not being quite sure, even of doubt in his statement, but not enough to justify punctuation. I've never seen them before, I said, and sat there, hung over in my reclining chair, surveying the debris, musing on a collective noun for empty glasses. I think they're yours, dear, his wife offered, calmly, barely reacting. He stood there like a child, full of doubt and confusion. They just don't feel like mine, he said, looking at his wife, his best friend of forty years his reason to be, his life. And something of him began to grasp. This wasn't the first sign on the road that began for him being a stranger to his footwear and will end in being a stranger to himself.
0: Back to the US... Susan Moorhead in New Rochelle, New York, not too far from me here in Vermont, and she has a poem about observing a young girl on the way to school, both describing and imagining based on that scene.
6: My name is Susan Moorhead, and I'm from New Rochelle, New York, and this is my poem, Peach, from my book, Carry Darkness, Carry Light. Peach, dropping my son off at the high school, I stop at the light. Stepping off the curb, she is wearing tight red pants, a bold choice for a wide hipped figure. She crosses in front of my car and I realize she is younger than I thought, barely a teenager. Stooped from the heavy backpack, she walks slowly The pants are tomato red, maybe her favorite color, or comforting like a favorite soup. She brushes her hair off her face, it's a sweet face. The kind of sweet face that looks slightly bruised, like a beautiful peach crowded in the market's bin. She's that age where every pain and sorrow is marked on tender skin. I wish she wasn't walking alone. I wish she was with a friend that the backpack was lighter, that everything that age was easier, that my first thought hadn't been mean. The light changes and I drive on, thinking about her, hoping no one will tease her about those red pants, and if they do, she will not mind, maybe even laugh it off. But that would be a different face, a different girl.
0: Next we have a bit of history presented in poetic form. Holly Richards has a poem she wrote at the beginning of the Gulf War when the military apparatus of the U.S. was stalled due to blowing sands and, you know, the technology couldn't stand up to nature. An interesting observation and uh, An interesting topic, given what's going on in the world with Russia and Ukraine. Somehow, unfortunately, war is always a relevant topic.
7: Resurgence. The sandstorm stumbles through the war, fingering each new soldier's face. The longer you stay, the stranger you are. The desert is a lonely place. The sand remembers in its youth that God once called it paradise a brief, clear moment of truth before millennia of lies. The dust checks the great army's guns and makes the vast truck convoy stall. The sands cocksure such great weapons, couldn't kill something so small. The soldiers stand still, the ground shifts. Like rough fortune under their feet, time burns and slows and falls and drifts, one force that bombs cannot defeat. The young men must learn to fight blind through the grit that has caught our fall. The sand is swirling clocks that time cannot for all its might recall. This once great land now so broken and burned to dust through ceaseless war rises as a strike has woken some memory of life before. The sandstorm covers every track, so each soldier must walk alone. And if he were to dare glance back, he'd see his tracks already gone. Now we
0: go to California. Tara El-Rahani has a poem. The way she presents the information that she wants to really convey is by talking about a birthday of a child growing up, growing older, time passing, and what's happening in the world.
8: Hi, my name is Tara El-Rahani. I'm from California, and the title of my poem is October, quote, chills, quote. <clears throat> Her seventh birthday in October. Cloudy and chilly. Typical fall weather. It's barely noon, but it's starting to rain. That's all right. we'll go inside. She was getting cold anyway. Her tenth birthday in October. It's a little warmer today. Yeah, that's how fall feels. She gets more time in the yard. But we rushed inside just before dinner. The clouds moved in. The downpour followed. Her twelfth birthday in October. Fall isn't usually as warm as this. But she loved it, playing outside until we cut the cake. Crap, the clouds came back, but there wasn't any rain. Her 15th birthday in October. Had a water balloon fight in shorts and t-shirts. Fall's never this warm. We stayed outside till 10. All clear skies and not a cloud in sight. Her 17th birthday in October. We went to the beach this year. Yeah, this isn't fall. It was warm and sunny. We stayed on the boardwalk till midnight. No clouds, no rain, no cold.
0: And now we're going to Orlando, Florida. Florida, a state we've heard a lot about lately here at the end of April 2022. A poem by Jessica Lovelace. And Jessica says she mostly enjoys telling stories that illustrate the copious sides of woman. She has a debut novel called Bad as in Good. It's available on Amazon. And she has some short films on YouTube. And uh, go check them out. She also has a full-length book of poems. And the poem she's going to read here for us is the title poem of the book. Hello, my name is Jay Lovelace.
9: I'm from Orlando, Florida, and I'm going to be reading a poem entitled Upendo, which is from my um, recently published collection of poetry, also titled Upendo, which is available on Amazon. Okay, so here goes. I was adopted by a woman named Ocean. When she saw me in the street corner with shorts, so short that the boys knew the flow of my African rivers, she called me into her home and asked if she could finance my worth. I was bankrupt. My soul had filed for chapter 11. My hope had boarded up its windows and my faith had sold out to the highest bidder. So she pulled on the hem of my shorts, buttoned the top three buttons of my crop top and revealed to me that my African rivers didn't exist simply for the boys to see them. Because like they always did, They'd sink their faces into the deep end, failing to realize that they couldn't even manage me at my shallowest. Yet I'd oblige their efforts just so I could comply with their attention. She asked me to check the currents of my streams, measure the depth of my compliance, then isolate the heat of my temperament when they'd feed me lies like lollipops while telling me to suck off the excess just so I could be full when they left. They always left. When I was through examining the run of my brook, she told me to tell her what I saw in words not fed from his lips. Tell me what you see in words that flow from your waters. And I cried with tears that hurt like daggers and screamed in a tongue that felt like weights because for the first time in three and a half forevers, I saw the damage done by others. The roaring riptide that has bled me of my bearings and didn't turn away. I didn't use whiskey, the good kind that is often poured from God's own breast to drown them away. Didn't use his kisses on my neck to help me pretend they didn't exist. I saw the home I made of myself and carpeted the floors in a color that matched my scars. You rejected my advances, and I loved myself anyway.
0: Finally, we have Joel Peckham. He teaches at Marshall University in Huntington, West Virginia. And he is going to give us a poem with musical backing and note. He plays all of the instruments. Quite an accomplishment.
10: The Last 25. I'm trying to record a cover of 25 Miles by Edwin Starr. Just because I love the song, the riff, and the way Starr sings it, hammering the beat like a spike into concrete. This is not jazz or rock or funk, though he puts a lot of brass behind it. And eventually, a group of girls in short skirts would dance around him as he smiled for the cameras. And it's not quite R&B, not quite singing, really. Somewhere between a growl and a keening and a cry of pain that is also frustration. That is the sound of waiting and refusing to wait, no matter the consequences. This is about love, and it's not. Sex, but not at all. It's about the hurting, about walking so long, so far, the soles of his boots have nearly melted off behind him. And somehow, deep into the groove, I'm thinking, what the fuck do I know about walking? Not because I want to, not for the exercise, but because there is no other way to get where I'm going. And he's not talking about 25 miles anyway. But the last 25, the final leg of the journey, after three days of walking the one long road from Nashville to Jackson, by now his feet aren't hurting, they're numb, they're bleeding, and his heels are liquid, warm and swimming in his socks. And he's sung that new Lou Johnson record so many times in his head, he's almost come to hate it, which is close to when you've made it yours, when it's begun to change. Put yourself in my place, feel what I feel inside, it's heartaches that I face, I'm so unsatisfied. Until he hears the fever chill of pickup trucks come growling up behind him, and then the hiss of a half can of beer that missed his head by inches, exploding at 50 miles an hour against a tree, three feet away in a spray of suds and leaves and laughter. And he's trying to make it to the city limits before the cool of darkness, walking his way through all the sundown towns in Tennessee, on his way to a woman who will call him Baby. And maybe soak his tired feet, the warm water clouding pink as dawn. There's a lot you can learn from singing someone else's song. I lean into it, give it everything I've got. Trying to convince myself I know enough of longing to almost pull it off.
0: that, folks, is what you got for episode number 11 of the Open Mic of the Air. As a reminder, we are always looking for submissions. If you'd like to participate, just send a recording, five minutes or less, of yourself reading your work. Be sure to tell us your name and where you're from. Recordings can be sent to air at gmail.com. And be sure to visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com, for the full description of those submission guidelines. It's been a real treat to present this group of poets to you. I find it just intriguing to hear their actual voices, the different tones that they have, and the many different, you know, things and interests that they have to tell us about. I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this has been the 11th episode of Open Mic of the Air from Poetry Spoken Here. Be sure to join us again next time for Poetry Spoken Here, Letting Poetry Speak to You. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to Let Poetry Speak to You. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter-Mundley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com poetryspokenhere. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com poetryspokenhere.